This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on washing and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Man, do we have big and breaking news for you today. I've really had to struggle with which headline to go with. One headline involves Glenn Beck. But I have to say, I know he'd want me to be honest. And so the big headline, at least from where I'm sitting on America's East Coast, you ready for it? There's going to be weather. It's winter. Very toss. Meanwhile, and welcome back, my partners. I am Jay Severin. Together we are the Blaze Radio Network. one 888 We are all about Veritas. We are all about <clears throat> Excelsior. If you're interested in either, and ideally both, you're in the right place. one 888 I was delighted to be jammed top to bottom with our conversations yesterday. It'd be okay with me if we did something like that again today and every day. I realize the news is different and uh, motivates us differently on different days. But that was swell. I look forward to your call. Now, your real headline, and, and I... This is, by the way, this is a a phenomenon of recent years. It really is a phenomenon derivative of cable news and the the Severin doctrine that there always must be fresh bread in the window. Well, wait, not fresh bread, but there always must be bread in the window at the bakery. In a town where you live, when you walk down the street, there will always be bread in the bakery window or something like it. There'll always be something that a bake shop sells. There will always be nails at the hardware store, or at least they'll be on order. But there'll always be something in the front window at the hardware store. Hammers, nails, step ladders, you know, electric buffers, that, right? They don't close the hardware store because there's no new nails. 
Well, believe me, they never not broadcast in mainstream media because there's no news. If there's no news, they make it up because there has to be a broadcast. And in talk radio, well, we're doubly removed from reality if we want to be. I mean, we're not, but but some are. And so they don't have to worry about news on any day. They just get on and talk about, you know, God knows only what in any case. I'm just astounded by this coverage of the fact that that they're what what is it January 21st and at least here on the East Coast it's January 21st and I'm bombarded by information here no headlines no uh, a looming catastrophe that there might actually be winter weather during the winter okay. Your real headline is the Glenn Beck, as perhaps you have heard. I can't call this breaking news, but uh, I first learned of it yesterday at the end of the show. I tweeted it, and I enjoyed uh, assessing the coverage of it, which will be triple tonight. And it's going to it's going to continue exponentially each night. The coverage and that is Glenn is traveling to Iowa to endorse and campaign with Ted Cruz this weekend. I don't know exactly what the length of time is. The only thing that I've, you know, all all the reports say this weekend. So that's a very amorphous time period, right? I I, I don't know what that means, but but maybe you know, and you could tell me uh, and all of us, or we will soon know. But the, the most important thing is Glenn Beck is traveling to Iowa to endorse and travel with Ted Cruz. Why is this important? Well, it's important, number one, because if Glenn believes in Cruz, there's a reason to believe in Cruz. Now, many of us already have a reason maybe several, but even for those of us with a reason to support Cruz, once you listen to Glenn, you're going to have more reasons or, and or, you're going to feel more strongly about the reason you already harbor to support Ted Cruz. But most particularly, it means that to me, and I have, I honestly, you know, so I suppose I should say this for the record. I have no inside information. I have not had the privilege of speaking to Glenn about this. But to me, just another voter, I, when I hear that Glenn Beck is endorsing someone, it means that person is probably a libertarian conservative it means it means that that person is pretty likely to share my values and it also means that since everyone wants glenn everyone in the republican uh primary wants glenn's support and obviously everyone has asked for it everyone craves it only one person is getting it ted cruz is getting it And ultimately, this says more. 
that Glenn has chosen Cruz, well, and, and didn't choose him yesterday. Glenn has been for Ted Cruz for a long time. The, and the fact that a lot of people, you know, we'll never know that. You know, there's nothing we can do about that. A lot of people won't know. Well, I promise you, when you see the coverage of Glenn with Cruz, if you watch the coverage, the mainstream media coverage, almost no one will say, Beck, a longtime supporter of Cruz, which is journalism 101. But you're not going to see that independent clause or that sentence, or you're, you're not going to hear it virtually anywhere. It's going to be reported as if Glenn Beck has decided just as suddenly as Sarah Palin apparently decided to endorse Trump, just as suddenly did Glenn Beck decide to endorse Cruz. And, of course, that doesn't happen to be truthful. It doesn't happen to be the fact. But I don't know how recent is Glenn's decision to campaign for Ted Cruz, you know, side by side. So that that that's a fair question. But watch, watch and see. The, the net, and I'm not saying that this is the thing to which people will pay the most attention. They won't. But it, it, it is going to be part of a, a, a subtle part of the coverage that, that is not unimportant. And that is, well, you know, is, is Glenn late to the party, quote, unquote? I mean, watch and see. The mainstream media is going to be, well, Glenn Beck decided to jump on board with a candidate. No, he didn't. He decided before the people in the mainstream media knew the name Ted Cruz before they knew that Texas had become a state, Glenn was for Ted. But, okay, I I don't want to pick at nits. Glenn is endorsing and going to Iowa on the road with Ted Cruz. I think I've just said the most important reason why, but I think there are three more, and they're straight ahead. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Partners already on the air. Before I get there, let me mention, I want to round out this point, Glenn Beck to travel to Iowa to endorse and travel with Ted Cruz this weekend. I've stated in general the most important reason I believe that's important. The elements of this, and they are, don't worry, fewer elements than yesterday when we got deeply into the the, the, the Palin analysis, though inevitably it's going to be compared to to uh, the Palin endorsement. And by the way, I think I think Glenn's is going to mean more to this in this race and more to Cruz than Palin's did to Trump. But I, I want to know what you think about that. Here here are three elements: Glenn Beck's endorsement of Cruz is going to be infinitely 
and profoundly more articulate. Now, I don't mean he speaks better, though God knows he does. I mean articulate, not eloquent. Of course, it's going to be eloquent, but articulate, meaning it's going to make an argument. It's going to be far more articulate than Sarah Palin's. We will know when Glenn speaks exactly why he and we ought to be for Cruz. Number two, it's going to be more salient. I think that what Glenn says will attract more people because it will matter more to them. The argument he will make will be more attractive to them than the boilerplate speech uh, delivered by Sarah Palin, which my review of which is mortifyingly incoherent yet really poorly delivered. Uh, And number three, Glenn's endorsement and the energy generated by such, unlike maybe, I'm not sure yet, the Palin endorsement has somewhere to go. What I mean by that is, Palin endorses Trump, it's a media event. But there is a dirty little secret. I don't know if it's going to matter ultimately, but the dirty little secret, the media is staying away from this largely. Trump apparently has no ground game. And again, this is a caucus state. You win by having headquarters in every of the 99 counties in Iowa by taking people to the polls physically. You rent buses, you rent cars, you have volunteers, you drive people to the polls. It's called a ground game. You call them up. Remember, tonight's caucus night. When can I come get you? They do this physically, literally. Ted Cruz has the greatest ground game in Iowa. Trump has no ground game. Now, is his celebrity enough to Trump, pun intended, uh, a good ground game? I don't think so, but it's like everything else here, it's possible. But you see, when Palin, it's like a, just a, think of it as physics, Palin explosion, where does that energy go? Does it have a place to go or does it just go like steam into the atmosphere? When Glenn Beck endorses Ted Cruz, it has a place to go. It goes directly into the energy stream of this ground game of thousands of ground game workers who call people up. Hey, Selma, this is Larry. Did you turn on the news? Did you hear what Glenn Beck said about Ted Cruz? I just wanted to remind you, I'll be there. What time was good for you again to pick you up for the caucus? It has a place to go. The energy is going to be a big media event, but then that place has somewhere to be channeled into, a mechanism that turns out voters. Linda from, is it the great state of Washington? Linda. Linda, last chance. I'm here. Hello. Good. Thank you for your patience. Welcome. Thank you. I just wanted to uh, state what uh, I heard Glenn say this morning. He's not actually, he is traveling with, with Ted Cruz. He is going to two rallies in Iowa, but he has not actually said, I endorse Ted Cruz. What he has said many times is, Ted's my guy. The only guy he has ever said, I totally endorse, is Mike Lee from Utah. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, He said also this morning that uh, somebody else had asked him to speak at a rally, and he said, I will, I will speak about the Constitution. He didn't Mm -hmm. say who this other person was, so I don't know if that's something tentative. or. All right, well, you know what, I think think you make a very, very good point, which shouldn't have eluded me. And and so I thank, I I salute you. Uh, I guess I felt, but I don't, I agree with you. Um, I guess I felt, and I wonder now, you know, as I think about it, I'll turn this over in my mind, Linda. I wonder at this point with, when Glenn is with, uh, Senator Cruz, it will be, well, you know, two days until the caucuses. I wonder if it's possible for a leader, uh, uh, a thought leader, a crafter of, public opinion, a, a, a visionary, a, a guy of Glenn Beck stature, is it possible for him to appear with anyone on the campaign trail in that context, you know, two days before the uh, primaries or the, the caucuses, and and not have everyone report it as and or interpret it as an endorsement? Oh, I mean, I well, isn't that the way it'll be reported and interpreted? Oh, I think that's entirely possible. Um, Glenn but is, you're right. Glenn is totally, totally uh, in favor of uh, Ted Cruz. And the thing that he has said is, I have never had to apologize for anything Ted Cruz has ever said. And that means a great deal to Glenn. And as you think about it, uh, I've not heard him say anything either that one would go, wait a minute, I'm, I don't understand that. Uh, right. Ted Cruz right. is... Uh, and you and I, coaches. Linda, make the same, yes. uh, the, make the number one principal point, both, both you and I. Yeah. And that is, there is a reason why Glenn, you know, th- we're still asking today, we'll discuss today, and it won't be the last day. We'll be discussing for weeks, months, why Sarah Palin did this, what she wanted What's the quid pro quo? What motivated her to do this for Trump? Mm -hmm. Well, none of those questions, except people who don't know. I mean, if there are people living on islands somewhere, you know, like don't know that World War Two is over, like those Japanese soldiers, you know, unless you don't know who Glenn is, you know that you know why. And you've said so because Glenn is for the Constitution. Therefore, he is for Ted. Yep. Which is different than I'm for Ted. See, Sarah and Sarah Palin was I'm for Trump, but you don't do it that way. You say, "Here's what matters to me. Here's what is most important to me and our country," and that leads me to be for this person. Exactly. You know, be, because I'm for the Constitution. I, I, I again, you're you're absolutely right. Your point is, is superbly well taken. But thank you. Uh, no, not but. Period. <clears throat> It is noteworthy, however, I think, that, as I said in my opening, and you essentially said, uh, that, you know, there's a reason. I said there will be, it will be better articulated than the Palin, and it's exactly what you say. We will know what, whatever Glenn's posture is, technically, whether it's an endorsement or merely an endorsement of a set of principles, we will certainly know why. And it will certainly help Ted Cruz. I agree. Very good. Linda, 
I thank thank you very much. Well done, and and I admire you for catching that and uh, really catching me on it because it's a kind of distinction uh, I did generally would pride myself on saying ah ah ah. You know, and thank thank you for the call and uh, call again soon, please. Yeah, generally that's the kind of thing I would say. You know, ah ah ah. He or she didn't say this exactly. They said this. But you know what? Okay. I'll concede that point, and and I must, because Linda's right. Glenn has not said he's going to endorse, hasn't used the word endorse. I don't know that. I'm going to trust Linda on this. If that's true, you know what? What's most important is that Glenn's going to articulate why he's standing next to Ted Cruz. Jay Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. These are my partners, including Ron from Jax. That would be Jacksonville, Florida, home of Cecil Naval Air Station, also home to Mayport Naval Base, home to the 6th Fleet, including the CVA-60, the Sucking 60 from Dixie, the USS Saratoga. Ron, welcome. Thanks, and you certainly gave a, a glowing recommendation for our fighting men and women here. Very proud <laughs> well, to have them in here, proud to be here. I, I, I have to, some experience um, down there when I was my best great. friend, when I was growing up. Uh, he, I know he listens sometimes. George, I love you if you're listening. Uh, uh, joined uh, and then later became a, an outstanding uh, Florida detective, police officer, mm-hmm. uh, joined the Navy at a young age, and um, be- through him, I-, I became acquainted to these locations I just mentioned to you and got to know uh, some some important things, including this, and I'll shut up. The funniest people on the world are not stand-up comics, or at least they don't get paid for it. The funniest mm-hmm. human beings in the world are Navy chiefs. True. Who say the funniest stuff that you've ever heard in your life but they don't get paid for it. In any case, go ahead, Ron. Welcome In any back. case, let me tell you that uh, Glenn and I have been on the same page. And when Cruz said he was running for president, there was a sense of elation. And Trump announced there was revulsion because people forget, you know, he started to run for president in 2011 and then quit after a week right. and turned right. Obama birthday. But I was as soon as Trump announced, <laughs> I started calling, tweeting people, I said, He's a fraud. He's a progressive Romney. Don't fall for it. And I started seeing parallels between his campaign and Obama's campaign in 2008. Both of them TV celebrities. Both of them had their ugly grills on TV every night, you know, on late night TV shows a dozen times now. Fallon and uh, Colbert, you know, and Kimmel. And I'd say, this is a cult of celebrity. And the people who are supporting him are falling for this 
make America great again. Like, yes, we can change. You can believe in it. it, it right. It's scares uh, my, my producer Ty points out to me, Ron, uh, a noteworthy comment, uh, and that is uh, a noteworthy recollection. That is, it also worked both times. Um, yeah, but I'm grateful to you for mentioning. I'm grateful to you for mentioning Mitt Romney because I haven't before, and it deserves mention. It, it's a very illustrative mention for those of us slash you anybody who believes that Mitt Romney was inadequately conservative to be excited about. He was William F. Buckley compared to Donald Trump. Right. Right. And people, you know, I've been uh, twitting like crazy. Uh, All the articles explaining that, uh, you know, he was for TARP, he was for bailouts, he wanted a bigger stimulus, gave uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars to the Clintons, and there's stuff that's going to be coming out in April that's going to even be more. Uh, well, Ron, I, I, look, I thank you for the call. A great call. I always like to see Ron from Jack's calling. Thank you. And, and you've made uh, great, great uh, suggestions, contributions here. Let, let me just take off on one of them. Uh, and that is, I think they teach you, even in bad law schools, that you, and this is hard for people to do, because if you care about something, you know, if you don't like someone, it's it's a, whether it's a family fight, you know, well, he did this and 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 he leaves his dirty socks on the on the, you know, the dining room table and and he, he farts and he and he, you know, clips his nails and uh, leaves that on the, you know, the dining room table. And OK, I know that you want to get that all out. I don't mean you. I mean, that in an argument, you want to get out all of these. And another thing, you know, he never replaces the toilet roll. I know you want to get everything out. But a central protocol of wisdom here, when you're prosecuting someone or you're in big or small P, you know, when you're criticizing someone and you want someone else to understand why that person is not appropriate or acceptable. What you do is you drop all of the stuff. It's like when they bring you your plate, your dinner plate at a restaurant. Let's say you're at Outback. They bring you your dinner. If they come and they take away the parsley, I'm not going to be angry. If they come and they take away maybe a few of the veggies, I'm not going to get terribly excited. If they come touch the potato or the steak, I'm going to act, behave, Exactly as would a Rottweiler if you put food down in front of it and then tried to take it away. Okay, you're going to lose your hand if you try to touch the meat or potatoes on the plate. This is our, ought to be our approach to prosecuting. When we talk about Trump, there are a lot of things we can say, but you know what? What he has done is not our strongest argument. Yes, he has done all those things. And by God, we ought to recall all, absolutely, we ought to recall those things he has done. But you see, if you are someone who believes in redemption, and I do, if only out of self-defense, if you believe in redemption, 
If you believe that anybody, anybody, deserves the chance of a second chance, if you believe in redemption, this kind of makes the argument about what he's done difficult. Because you either believe in, are you with me, guys? You either believe in, at least on this point, forget that I'm talking about the election. You either believe in redemption or you don't. And just as a follow-up, uh-uh-uh, there's no such thing as saying, I believe in redemption for these people, but not for these people. I believe in redemption for this guy, but not for Trump. You either believe in redemption or you do not. I do. I believe you do. If you do, I'm afraid that automatically disarms you and me of the argument about what Trump has done. Because Trump is essentially saying, though with with frightening inarticulateness he is saying hey look you know uh, so what you know i did it but i had to do it and uh forget about it i had to do it i am uh, not going to do it no more and, and and the thing is again if you believe in redemption you cannot attach a, 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 a tag to it that it has to be really eloquent when you ask for redemption it's not the way it works You either believe in redemption or you do not. There is no third category. This is a binary equation, either or. If you believe in redemption, then even Donald Trump gets to say, you cannot hold against me anything that I have done prior to today or last week or last year or last month. That is not to say you don't get to weigh it in assessing him, of course you do, in weighing his <clears throat> sincerity in his application for redemption. Of course you must. Of course you must. Anyone who says that a, uh, a court cannot look at a lifelong rap sheet of violent crime against children and women and society in determining whether someone gets parole or not, well, that's just, that's, 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 that's imbecility. Of course you must consider it. But it is not, if you believe in redemption, it is not in and of itself a reason to reject someone. You must, you must say, if they're saying, I'm not that person anymore, I'm this person, okay? So if I accept all of what I've just said, and I do, if I accept all of what I've just said, then that brings us up to the present moment. But you see, I've said why what he's done before all his life is not our strongest argument. What is? What is is straight ahead. This is Jay Febron on the Blaze Radio Network. The 
Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. My folks, I wish to repeat, and uh, in thanking uh, Linda in doing so, uh, I wish to repeat, I have made a mistake. I have erred in an important matter with regard to Glenn's intentions, stated intentions, uh, or apparently I have, uh, Glenn's stated intentions, and and those may or may not be subject to further evolution or interpretation in the hours between now and when Glenn actually joins Ted Cruz on the campaign trail. But let's assume they're not subject to any evolution, reinterpretation. And that that would mean that Linda is right and that Glenn has gone out of his way to avoid, even reject, the, 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 uh, the, the, the language of endorsement. And if that's true, I opened the show incorrectly by saying Glenn's going to endorse Ted Cruz. I, I, I will still, not in my defense, but I will still as a footnote hold that if Glenn goes to Iowa and appears with Ted Cruz, that's going to be reported and interpreted as an endorsement. CNN already reports it as an endorsement. Thank you. Ty tells me CNN is already reporting it as an endorsement. And I, my own, you know, if I, if I were not awake literally 20 hours a day these days, monitoring and, you know, making notes and, and uh, on this stuff. I mean, maybe it would be better if I only stayed awake 18 hours a day during the primaries to do this. But uh, I remember now, Ty, uh, and everyone, that Fox News last night used that language. Uh, several shows last night, as I recall, used the language of endorsement per se when they were talking about Glenn's trip to Iowa. But none of that makes me right. Or none of it makes me not wrong. And, you know, so if Glenn took pains to avoid the language of endorsement, then it's not for me to use it, you know. So, um, you know, I apologize to you for the the error. Again, it will be reported that way, but who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe it won't. The way the media works, they may turn around and if they if – they, they're not very sophisticated, the mainstream media, but they do have the, the all you know they have all the loyal they have all the qualities of a of a piranha, or maybe of a no. The, the mainstream media has all the qualities of a Doberman or a Rottweiler or a bull terrier, uh, except loyalty, and maybe intelligence, and so they may at some point say to to Glenn. If Glenn gives a hundred reasons why he's choosing someone to vote for, but he refuses to use the word endorse, somebody in the mainstream media is is going to repeat. I'm sorry, he's going to report. Glenn Beck refuses to endorse Cruz. <laughs> so. There's that possibility too, but that's a mistake not for me to make. So there it is. Um, thank you, Linda. And your headline is Glenn Beck is reportedly traveling to Iowa to 
articulate the reasons why this election is important, why the choice of president is important. And I'll go back to my original rationale, uh, which contained apparently a, 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 a mistake. And my rationale remains the same. And that is Glenn's, I almost said endorsement again, Glenn's appearances with Ted Cruz, however they are characterized, are going to matter greatly because they are going to be not merely eloquent, they're going to be articulate. This is one of those words like significant and substantial that Americans mix up, conflate all the time. We're expecting significant snowfall. No, we're not. We're expecting substantial snowfall. Substance goes to volume. Significance begs the question, what does it signify? If I said we're experiencing, I would say we're experiencing significant snowfall if it snowed in August. That would signify something, wouldn't it? But we're not expecting significant snowfall because the fact that it's going to snow in January doesn't signify anything. We're expecting substantial snowfall. Well, just like eloquent and articulate do not mean the same thing. They're first cousins. But eloquent means a mellifluous, perfect delivery. Articulate means the nature, substance, strength, precision of argument. And the reason this will matter most is that when Glenn Beck finishes, there will have been an articulate rationale made. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. When our water heater broke down last month, it was a nightmare. It took five hours for the plumber to show up, and he charged us a couple of hundred bucks just to come out. Then it cost another $1,800 to put in the new water heater. By the time it was all said and done, I felt like I'd been taken. But what else could I do? The smartest thing you can do is get a home warranty from American Residential Warranty. Their home warranties pay to repair or replace all your major appliances when they break. And they will break. And at the worst possible time, call American Residential Warranty right now for free information on home warranties starting at just pennies a day. Don't wait for your refrigerator to stop running or your ceiling fans to stop turning. Call American Residential Warranty right now. Ask how you can save up to 50% on wash and dryer coverage. Just call 1-800-686-3910. That's 1-800-686-3910. Again, 1-800-686-3910. Call now. Well, tick-tock, tick-tock, baby. What are there? One, two full working weekdays between now and the nation's first primary, which is a caucus. And you are here so you know the difference. Celebrity wins votes because votes take 10 minutes. Does celebrity necessarily translate into caucus goers? That means three layers of underwear and three hours of listening to intolerable preaching by your neighbors in a freezing wet church basement in Iowa in February. Are they the same? We will very soon know. Excelsior. 
Welcome back, my radio family. We are together, the Blaze Radio Network. I am Jay Severin, the number one triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. I'm going to mention this to, uh, to you know, of course, to you girls as well. But this is mostly the malady of of men. You ever had a herniated disc? I have three times. Once cured by surgery, neurosurgery, believe it or not. Now, what you mean, well, what's neurosurgery? Neurosurgery is you're on the operating table and you say to the surgeon, good morning, and he says, what do you mean by that? That's a neurosurgeon. Just, just kidding. Uh, it's kind of a little medical humor there. Uh, once by surgery, seriously, though, by the chief of neurosurgery at uh, New York Hospital, that's, that was the way that was going. Brain surgeons, believe it or not, did spinal surgery. But we won't get into that right now. It's grossing me out. Even as I talk, it's, it's me, and I'm. It's grossing me out. Uh, once cured by surgery, twice by uh, rehab. Um, I believe I may have a fourth herniated disc, and all the former uh, three were uh, in the very lowest regions of the hernia platform. This one is in the highest area of the hernia platform, the very top of the neck. So it doesn't affect me except that I cannot withstand the weight of my head on my shoulders in any position, asleep or awake, nor can I turn my head without excruciating pain, nor can I take painkillers because the brilliance you are now hearing uh, would be muted by painkillers. That we cannot have. Uh, but I'm not sure yet that's what I have. It might only be spinal meningitis. So who knows? Let's hope for the best. Uh, in the spirit of that candor, which moves me, as it does most middle-aged men, I'm told, to share their unwanted medical woes in nauseating detail with people who really don't care to hear it, even if you like them. Uh, and I hope you like me. I like you. Do you like me? Jay likes you. Do you like him? Can I tell him? Uh, Candor has never failed in my career, as you could see. Candor has never failed to steer me wrong. So, so right now, I'm going to give in to Candor even stronger than that which impels me to share with you my latest medical woes. And, and that is this. I have to start being, I think, a little more candid about... It's not that I've li- I've never lied to you, ever. I never would. And it's not like I've held back. It's just that I, I have tried not to give in to, uh, you know, to, uh, uh, like, ad hominem attacks on... Oh, I do on Hillary. You know, that's, that goes without saying. But you know, I, I've tried to, to, to look at the policy... You know, like why some, whether they're smart or dumb or whether they're right or wrong. And, and, and one thing I've never mentioned, but I, I was just having a conversation with, though I won't say with whom, uh, is that when I listened to Donald Trump, and this is a prejudice, a bias, I admit to harboring. If If you cannot speak English, if you are 
consistently incapable of, forget eloquence, if you are consistently incapable of articulateness, of explaining what you mean in a declarative sentence that has a verb, a predicate, an object, a sentence, or a question mark, or an exclamation point, or some other appropriate punctuation. If you are consistently unable to speak English, just simply speak English. I admit to a bias. It's very difficult for me to admire or place confidence in people or believe them of above average intelligence if they cannot speak English or understand it. And uh, Donald Trump, for me, I must tell you, is in this category. And it finally, what, what I think finally did it was his appearance at Liberty University. Now, I'm not really talking about the appearance, per se. I'm not talking about that he said two Corinthians on stage. But I will in a minute speak to that in a way that I don't think anyone else has. But I'll, it isn't that he said two Corinthians. I mean, religious people know, faithful people know, evangelicals know that no one would put it that way. But that's okay. I don't. I'm. I can't throw any uh, stones for the biblical purposes here. You know, I, I can cast no stones. I live in a glass house. So it's not that. It's not that he said to Corinthians. It's that in the interview when he was there at Liberty University with the media, they said. Uh, he was asked a question on camera. So how would you characterize your your relationship with uh, with God? And we have to get, Ty, we have to get that clip because I, I may I guess to a lot of people it no I mean no one made no one made any deal of it out of it uh, in any of the media that I could see. But I sat slack jawed listening to his explanation, which I seem to recall went something like this. Oh, oh, my relationship with the big guy. Oh, Because whenever I hear Donald Trump, I hear Sylvester Stallone, but not Sylvester Stallone. I hear Rocky One. Yeah, you know, that's Sylvester Stallone. I don't, I don't know why. I, it could be I've got something else wrong that I don't know about yet. Uh, it, oh, my relationship with the big guy. Oh, it's huge. It's the greatest. No, no, I'm very, I'm very proud of it. It's very special. It's huge. It's huge. And I'm going to make it pay for it. No, no, wait, that's the wall. Okay, no, it's, it's, it's huge. Uh, the guy with the guy, the God guy who I love. No, I, I love him. He's, he's great. He's great. He's been great. I love him. He's huge. And uh, my relationship is huge with him, with the guy, the God. I, I loved all all my life. It's it's huge. And then he said, and I don't think I'm really being unfair here, by the way, (laughs) or exaggerating much. And then he said, uh, and then he said, uh, yeah, my, uh, my relationship is is great with God. Uh, I'm, I'm a, I'm a Protestant. I'm very proud of it. A Presbyterian. I mean, you can't get more Protestant than that, huh? You can't get more religious than that, huh? Presbyterian, very proud of that. 
But let me say, I think that that the that the God is uh, is responsible. I think for, for I think God was responsible probably for a lot of what, in fact, maybe all of what I have accomplished, which is huge. You know, and he really did say, I mean, again, cast no stones, thee who reside in uh, glass houses. And though I I shall cast no stones, I shall pose a question. Does someone who is truly deeply religious, who has a Bible on his bedstead and reads it every night, whose relationship with uh, the God guy is huge, does he really say... And by the way, I think that God, the God, is uh, is responsible for a lot of what. No, not only a lot. I think maybe everything of what I have greatly done. It's huge. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. I have great relationship with God. I have great relationship with uh, the evangelicals. In fact, nationwide, I'm I'm up by a lot. I'm leading everybody. But I like to be good. I don't like to have to ask for forgiveness. And I am good. I don't do a lot of things that are bad. I try and do nothing that's bad. I live a very different life than probably a lot of people would think. And I have a very Always great. I have now. a very great relationship with God, and I have a very great relationship with evangelicals, and I think that's why I'm doing so well with Iowa. You see, I, I, I'm going to interpret my standing, my most quintessential personal standing with the Almighty vis-a-vis the poll numbers who doesn't do that you know i know i'm good with god because you know i'm up with uh, the uh, them evangelicals you know i mean they're for me for me not for those other a-holes you know what i mean i mean i don't know if god would say that but you know i you know i'm up i'm up with them i'm up with them they down with me you get it anyway so you know i'm good okay that clip is what the lawyers call raise ipso loquitur. The thing speaks for itself. I don't need to, you know, you just listen to it. And yeah, you have to listen critically. And and yeah, maybe I'm being a butthead for criticizing him just because, you know, that's forbidden territory. Someone speaks of their faith or anything vaguely related to it. And it's, you know, off the playing field to to, to comment on it. But I'm going to say one more thing and then and then defend myself. The, the other thing I'm going to say, I made allusion to it earlier. When Trump got up at Liberty University and said, two Corinthians, he got up and he said, so, two Corinthians. And, I, and, I, and Rush Limbaugh 
told this joke before I tweeted it, so I had to cross it off. I didn't do it because throughout my entire career, whenever Rush says something first, I have a rule. Unless I thought of it first. Now, in this case, I did. Now, I don't know if I thought of it first, but I thought of it before Rush said it. But that happens a lot. So I, I, this time I, 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 I said, no, nah, I can't now. Because, uh, and the other exception is, if I give it to Rush, do we happen to know each other? Then, then every once in a while people speak, they give each other things. And, you know, I mean, I, what I'm not saying is I write Rush's show. <laughs> don't, please. I don't, please. Uh, but, I mean, but my rule is if Rush or Glenn or any of the geniuses say something first, who's going to believe I thought of it before them? Everyone's going to think I ripped them off. So, I, you know, so I, so I just cross it right off my list. But the first thing that occurred to probably a million of us when he said, so, two Corinthians, you know, they walk onto a used car lot and one says, hey, you got a chariot for me? Huh? You know, so anyway, so when Trump gets up there the other day, he says, two Corinthians, and well, that's it, right? That's the one you like, right? That's the one you's like. Am I right? That's the one you's like. Now, I'm exaggerating, but he literally said to Corinthians, wait, that's the one you like, right? Right? That's the one you like. And I just thought that was so telling. He was there at Liberty University, Donald Trump, a lifelong Democrat, a guy who was Whole, screwing Marla Maples on the front page of the New York Post when he had a wife and a family and conducting the most public affair ever conducted on the cover of the New York Post for five years while he threw his first wife under a speeding train and his family. And again, I'm not criticizing his personal life or his moral life. I'm just saying, here's the guy who did that and is yet to talk about it appearing at Liberty University, but it's okay, appear there. But pretending to be one, in my view, pretending to be one of them. And what is the evidence when I say I think he's pretending? My evidence is when he says to Corinthians, that's the one you like, right? Right? That's the one you like. That's the one you're crazy about, right? And I thought that was an extremely telling moment. It wasn't. If you were familiar with the passage, truly, and you held it with them, with your audience, you would not say, wait, that's the one, right? That's the one you like. And he also, I heard a soundbite today when he said, he tried to explain away the two Corinthians, and he was of another very telling moment. He said, well, that, that uh, two Corinthians thing, that was written for me by someone else. I could show it to you. It was writ. It was it was written down. I got it on a piece of paper. I could show it to you. Someone wrote it for me. Whoa! What? Someone wrote it down for you? You are there to present yourself as well. Here's a very meaningful one for me with the big guy. As we talk about it privately, I mean, you know, Presbyterian like all the time. Uh, two Corinthians walk onto a used car lot. One says, and I, you know, and I says the two Corinthians use like this one, right? This is the one you's like. And today he said, someone wrote it for me. 
Someone wrote it down for me, which means to me it wasn't candid. It wasn't spontaneous. It wasn't, or nor was it a sharing of, here's one of my favorite biblical passages. He had it written down for him. And again, technically, not nothing in the world wrong with that. But he had to have it written. In other words, he had to go to someone and say, I'm going to a religious university. What the heck do I say? Write something down for me. And so he said today, well, someone wrote it down for me. I got I could show it to you. But uh, it says right here, I'm looking at it. It says 2 Corinthians. I can show it to you. It's just 2 Corinthians. And, uh, uh, you know, I know, and now I hear that he meant, and he figured I would know that he meant second letter to the Corinthians. But, you know, well, I know. Uh, Andrea. No, what was her name? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, well, I didn't know. It says here, right here, 2 Corinthians. But I had to have someone write it down for me. And then when he presented it, he said, this is the one you like, right? Could I'm not accused. Again, this is not a matter of faith. I'm not, I am not criticizing his faith I, or his personal life. What I'm saying is, he strikes me, or it strikes me, that there is compelling evidence of gross insincerity and gross inauthenticity when it comes to certain things that Donald Trump talks about. And it's not, this is, this is not limited to faith or religion. It, incl- it, it evidently includes that, but it's not limited to that. When you ask him a question about the Constitution, you can just replace and change on your computer. Oh, the uh, Constitution? I've uh, always had a close personal relationship with the, the thing. The Constitution. Yeah, I, I love it. It's huge. The Constitution? Huge. I have a copy on my nightstand. And... Uh, in fact, I'm going to read a part to you. Two constitutionalists. Two, that's the one you was like, right? Two constitutionalists. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. And partners here on the Blaze Radio Network, 1-888-900-3393, 1-888-900-3393. I mean, I, I'm, hold on a second, let me see here. I'm, politics? I, it's huge. I love it. I, I'm here on the radio to talk about politics. Wait a second. Iowa, the, the primaries there. Yeah, that's what you love, right? That's the one you love, right? The primaries, right? And the uh, the uh, the caucus, the the Urals, the the, the cockeye, the the uh, what the the cocooses, the cocooses happen next week. Is them's the one you love, right? One triple eight nine hundred three three nine three. Devin from Texas, stop me, stop me before I end my career. Hey, Jay, how are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Um, 
everything that I needed to know about Trump before anybody ever said anything was the sound the sound bite that they put on there <clears throat> about when he said that he didn't need to ask God to forgive him for anything because he hasn't done anything wrong. And in my mine mind, was, mine was, him, and that's equal. It's, it's, I think they're, t- in my mind, they're tied that one. And, um, uh, when he said, uh, I think that in fact, I believe that a lot, a lot, of what I have accomplished. No, wait, perhaps even all of what I accomplished, you know, the big guy may have to do with. Yeah, he, um, I, I am a Christian, and I am highly offended by him um, touring the country and saying things like that because that is not in line with Christian beliefs and values. I mean, he well, is. So you can, like you have the license. Devin, you have the license to criticize on that. I'm, and I'm, I'm not criticizing you, God knows. You you have the license, the knowledge, background, to criticize at that level. I don't. I'm not criticizing his, his, his faith or expression thereof. I am citing what I believe as his betraying himself as being inauthentic, insincere. Right. I, and I don't That's care right. what it's about, but it's it's most offensive when it it strikes me more offensive if it's if you lie about this or you're inauthentic about this as opposed to which baseball team you know like when they ask Obama and they he names a team and it's usually in the wrong you know the uh, the Green Bay Orioles and he can't name one player you know on the team right but, you know, that that yeah. shows an in inauthenticity but that's about something that's sort of political and for you know, more forgivable. But when you go to, Mm -hmm. when you're speaking to certain audiences about certain things and you try to fake it, or or look, it appears to me anyway, that he tried to fake it. I I agree with you that it's, I I really find it wrong. Well, a genuine Christian that does have their heart right, that has accepted Christ and knows that he is not perfect yet forgiven those people, people like me, people like other fellow believers that have accepted Christ and done those and, and live that life, they hear things that Trump is saying, and it doesn't make sense. It's not in line with our beliefs. And we already have that, that amount of arrogance in the White House now. Why would we elect someone else just because they have an R by their name, supposedly? Well, that's a good point. No, that's, that's a good point. And you know, it's a funny thing. I would imagine that most Christians, and again, along that spectrum of, of you know, whatever that spectrum is of, of believers, of, faith, of the faithful, that anywhere on that spectrum, you could accept, you might not prefer, but you could accept someone whose faith is undeveloped, incomplete, yeah. not yeah. terribly knowledgeable. Um, mm-hmm. maybe even an agnostic, you know, any of those things. But but those are different than trying to, you know, come out and, and pretend as though you're something, you know, knowledgeable and, and faithful of something that it, it would appear that you're not. That's right. And I admire anyone that is completely honest about who they are, regardless if they believe in God, don't believe in God. I will have more admiration for you because you were honest about it. 
Devin, I, I thank you greatly for the call. And again, I just want to underscore this. I am not there's I know it's a fine distinction. And if the uh, someone wrote to me the other day and uh, darn, I really wished to get back to you and it got lost in the landslide of tweets. And now I can't find it. But you wrote to me and you said, when did the Boston Globe stop covering you and why? And I think it was the Boston Globe. It could have been any number, but maybe it was Media Matters. I don't know. Why did they stop covering you? When and why? And and I got answers to that, but I'm not covered anymore. And, you know, I'm really grateful for that. I am. I mean, almost nobody can honestly say that. But having been through it, uh, I mean, because it's central to my theory, by the way, of why there is no more Republican conservatism. Why, if you go to any office of the National Republican Committee, the National Republican Congressional Committee, the National Republican Senatorial Committee, the Republican Governors Association, every one of which has been my client at some point, my paying client that I have represented, produced work for, strategized for, when you go to any one of those offices, you will not find a conservative unless you find someone who is a Christian and therefore is a, you know, uh, at least a small C conservative. But political conservatives, they're not wanted in the Republican Party. They haven't been for a while. Believe me, I know. But anyway, so I've got, well, on another day, we'll talk about, I mean, that is central to my theorem about, you know, why, about why, you know, how, how, how come, how come Democrats are not afraid to be liberal, but just mirror image stuff. How come on the spectrum, when you flip it over, you know, liberals are not, Democrats are not afraid to be, call themselves liberals uh, and say and do things liberal, but Republicans are afraid to do say, or be thought of as conservatives. You know, I've got a theory for that. And, and it, and it, and the bottom line of it is the media. The media defines the culture. It defines who are good guys and bad guys. Situation comedies on Wednesday nights on CBS tell you who are good guys and bad guys. If you don't believe in things liberal, you can learn from television. Your children are already learning from their cell phones, their video games, their television shows. They've long ago learned. If they're eight years old, they already know that if if you have any opposition, no matter how faithfully based to the marriage of two men or two women or five women, three men and a goat, even if the goat is not, has not reached the age of majority, making it, I think, terribly distasteful. It, 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 your kids have already determined who the good guys and bad guys are because our culture sends signals only about as strong as someone putting a galvanized tin garbage can over your head and hitting it with a ball-peen hammer. The signals are only about that loud when our culture tells you who are the good guys and who are the fascist pigs. And believe me, your kids have all those answers already. Good luck. I know, although I've been blessed. Uh, and, and, and you probably have too, but most Americans, you know, forget about it, as a leading uh, presidential uh, candidate might put it. My, my point is, it's the, it's the media, it's the culture. And in terms of the news media, all right, again, I said that's for another day. And I've got another minute or two here before the break. So let me say the reason I bring it up is I used to count on coverage early in my career. 
And at the beginning, and this is true of everybody, any, anybody who's ever been covered by national media, at the beginning of your career, you are generally, and this has something to do with when your career occurred, when it reached its start, its apogee, uh, its decline, uh, its leveling off, whatever. So it's, it's, it was different in the 1980s than it is in you know, 2016. But relatively speaking, it remains kind of the same. And at the beginning of one's career, your first national media piece is almost always positive. In fact, generally, your first 10 national media coverages and then your regional ones. So if you're a national host, your coverage by national media and then like I, I was on Nightline, I was on all these national things. But then because I was based in New York, I was also covered by the New York papers, like the New York Daily News, the New York Post, right? Also the New York Times, which is national, right? But I was known in New York because of local television. I was on every night channel, 247, 11, 9, 13. And like in every town, every town has a channel, 249, 7, 11, 13. And, and you know, they're local big newspapers. So I was covered by those. And in, in local case, you're pretty much covered positively, maybe forever, because they need you. You're local. They need you for quotes. That's why you're on TV every night. But national media... You're a new thing and a hero for the first 10 minutes, and then they try to assassinate you and your family and everything about you. And when I came to Boston, I received the most savage treatment, and I study media, you know, I journalism, school, all that. I mean, I, I study media. You know I'm a student of the media, have been since uh, founding my civics club in sixth grade. Ty, ever mentioned that before? I don't I don't recall. So I'm glad I mentioned it now. Uh, I'm a student of the media. I've never seen anybody. I mean, maybe Imus. But see, Imus said something bad, really bad. I don't believe I ever did. <laughs> but maybe that's because I'm I and I, you know, and, 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 I, and I think that. But I was savaged by the Boston Globe. And I, to this day, believe that they put people on the, pay, you know, that their full-time beat was savaging me and making up things about me. Sometimes they were true and twisted. Sometimes they were utterly untrue and they had to print a, 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 a you know, a correction. That's how bad. You imagine how bad it has to be for them to print a retraction? But I know what it's like to be covered by the media. And at a certain point, until that's your life, you don't know what it's like to have your children in tears, your wife in tears, because they go out in public and people snigger at them or say things to them about, is this true about your husband? And when that happens for 10 straight years, you don't know what it's like. Honestly, you don't. There are a lot of things we don't know about other walking in other people's moccasins. And media coverage, believe me, is one set of moccasins. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network.
This is the Jay Severin Show. These are my partners, including Mike, right now on the road in the Commonwealth of Virginia. How's it going, Jay? Mike, thanks for calling. Uh, no problem, man. I got a couple. I'm not really a big religious guy, so I'm not going to talk about that, about Trump. But I remember when Bush was president, he would say, I don't know, I lived in his house my whole life. I guess you could say you, you let his country come out sometimes. But the media slammed him hard for some of the, just to, I guess you could say stupid things he would say sometimes. Trump, that's all he says is stupid stuff, and nobody is saying anything about it. I thought. I don't understand what the disconnect is there with Trump and so like what Bush would say, you know what I'm saying? And also something else that's really get on my nerves about Trump is he's, everything's about me and what I'm doing in the polls, what how I'm doing, what I'm going to do. What's, right. he, what's he doing for us? What's he, uh, what's he no, going to do I, for I, That's right. I, well, I, don't, I, I, don't I think want, your observation about Bush is – True, there was a poisonous, unrelenting treatment of Bush Jr. And look, I I think he's a dope. And yeah. I, I have trouble, you know, somehow all of a sudden saying, well, the media is wrong because they portrayed him as a dope. But you know what? There are other dopes. And he was president of the United States. And... Uh, okay, I just thought there was a very poisonous, unrelenting, ugly criticism of him for being an idiot, you know, all the time, which he he isn't and wasn't. But he neither neither was he articulate, let alone eloquent. So I understand that. I share the criticism. I, I expect a president of the United States or a candidate, therefore, to be articulate to speak English well, to well present her or himself uh, so that we can understand them. And and so I share the criticism, but not poisonously. And you're right about Trump. And I tell you what I think the disconnect is, Mike. It's money. I think the license that money has bought Donald Trump is that the minute you start to say, hey, wait a second, this guy sounds like Rocky Balboa. Is he Rocky Balboa? And the answer is, Rocky Balboa could do one thing. Fight. Right? No one could deny that. Rocky could fight. But, of course, Rocky couldn't dress himself without help. You know, he couldn't, you know, he couldn't read a menu, but, but he could fight. Okay. Donald Trump can apparently build, but that doesn't make him smart. And the other thing is, he didn't make that money. He was when he was 18, he was handed two hundred million dollars by his father, who said, here, good luck, son. The Jay Severin Show only on the Blaze Radio Network.